one of the coaches I was working with at the time was like, please don't call it that. And I was like, it's too late. I'm going to. And she was like, okay. Um, but then people weirdly liked it. Like more people, there are some people who were like uh, one person, I think one person was like, I don't get the title. And I was like, that's okay. Yeah. It, there's not really anything to get. And, but for the most part, I've been surprised how many people have been into it. I've been impressed. I'm like, wow, my audience is, they're bigger weirdos than I even realized. And it makes me love them so much more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been so positive. I thought people would hate this. I thought they would never want to talk about this stuff and listen to this stuff. Cause it is really dark. Like we really get into it and I couldn't believe people love it. So it's, it's been really amazing. Welcome to the Inner Feminine Beast Podcast, where I'm teaching you how to be the highest version of yourself that has the power, strength, courage, and clarity to claim the life you desire and have it emerge through here in the physical. This podcast will empower you to use the laws of the universe and align with your intuition, create big wins in business by teaching you winning sales strategies and wealth practices, my secrets to healthier relationships, better health, and living like the fierce woman you are. I'm your host, Cynthia Stant, a dedicated student to metaphysics, a self-made millionaire, and a CEO. Let's get it going and unleash your inner feminine beast. Hello, hello, IFB. I have a special inner feminine beast interview for you today. Um, she's a lady that I've actually known for years, but through the power of connection, she and I realized right away that we have so much in common. We had a call together and it kept going and going and back and forth. We said, oh, you two? Oh my gosh, we're the same age. Oh my goodness, we both lost our father. Oh my goodness, we both have these businesses. Oh my gosh, we're in the phase of transition. And like, oh, you have a podcast? I have a podcast. And it really was just beautiful. But I was so excited because the conversations that we've had, I wanted my listeners for you to kind of be the fly on the wall and just kind of hear what happens in these connections. And so today is more like a coffee chat. Um, there's really no particular roadmap to this, but I, I just know the conversation is going to be fire. And what I'm excited about is that today's guest is all about being vulnerable. And she's going to discuss a little bit about what it took to get to where she is. Um, and at the same time, knowing that where she's at now, as it unfolds, <laughs> I talk about it all the time, it's we're not quite sure what's next and we're okay with that. So I think it's gonna be a really fun, high level conversation. And I'm excited to have you all meet my dear friend, Margie Feldun. Margie Feldun is a Forbes featured podcast host and multi seven figure CEO. She runs and co-owns Interview Connections, the first and leading podcast booking agency. She and her business partner lead an in-house staff of 20 full-time employees in their now virtual Rhode Island office. With her podcast, We Get It, Your Dad Died, Margie uses her own experience of losing her dad to suicide to transform the conversation around grief and show the transformation that is possible on the other side of loss. Her show won first prize in the best podcast category of 2021 Rhode Island International Film Festival. I swear I can read. <laughs> that was like a tongue twister today. Everyone, I'd love for you to meet Margie. Margie, welcome to the show. Cynthia, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Okay. So you are a beautiful woman. You're a young woman. You are fiery. You're determined. I can tell you're like me. Your wheels are always spinning. Your light bulbs are going off. But what's cool about you is that there's a story that really leads up to the woman that you are now. And so I was so interested in really kind of creating space for you to kind of share your story about how you got to where you're at and kind of explaining to everybody that's not always rainbows, butterflies, and Prince Charming. So would you mind just kind of taking it wherever you like to start and really talk about how your story unfolds to where you are now as the owner of the multiple seven figure business that you have? Yes, of course, Cynthia. First of all, thank you so much for the compliments. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it has been a journey and it's so interesting. And I think a lot of listeners can probably relate. Like 
when you're in it, you have no idea where things are going. And then when you look back, you can see how things unfolded in such a perfect way, but it's hard to see it when you're there. And so I was living in Taiwan as an English teacher. I was 26 years old at this point. Um, it was 2015. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I loved to travel. And so when I finished college, I worked and saved up money. And then I was like, I want to live in another country and get paid to do that. So being an English teacher was the easiest way to do that. And it felt a little bit like my life was kind of on hold because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had been a great student. I had a lot of drive, but then getting out into kind of the real world, I didn't know. And every time I tried a job, I found it kind of understimulating. I would get bored really quickly. And then I found out that my dad had died. So I'm in Taiwan. My dad has just died by suicide, which was so devastating. We were really close. It was really out of nowhere, um, which I think is the case a lot in this situation. And my kind of life as it had been, it was sort of this demarcation. It just sort of fell away. Like the person that I was before my dad died was a different person. And suddenly, like, you know, my favorite person is gone. I was such a daddy's girl too. So I'm like, how do I even like survive in the world now? Um, I felt very on my own and was faced with this now, not just the grief, but also the logistical nightmare of when someone dies and there's all the stuff you have to do and plan and you are not in a mental place to do any of it, but it has to get done. And so I moved home from Taiwan back to Rhode Island, um, helped my my mom plan the memorial and then cleaned out their house because my parents were hoarders. So they had this like really full house that I had actually been planning to clean out already. I had been like manifesting it for two years in Taiwan that I was going to clean this house. Um, these were not the circumstances under which I thought I would be doing that. But when I got home, I did it. I embarked on this five month project. I was cleaning every day. Um, and then I moved immediately to Colorado because my partner at the time started a PhD program. And so I had been able to kind of like throw myself into work into like getting stuff done and once that was done and the house was clean and now I'm in Colorado and I have no support system and I don't know anybody, uh, things got very bad and very dark. And my life, I just kept hitting kind of new rock bottoms. Eventually my relationship ended because I was not in a good place. I was grieving. And so I moved back in with my mom, moved back to Rhode Island with my two cats at 27, was living with my mom, working remotely as a booking agent, booking people on podcasts. And it looked very bleak, but I really took, I knew I needed help. So I started interviewing therapists and like kind of an intense interview process. Like I like started with a bunch and then I narrowed them down to phone interviews. <laughs> like I was like, no, I got a lot of problems. Like I need someone really good. And they were like, okay. <laughs> I was like, my dad died. <laughs> and so I finally found this like amazing EMDR therapist who did like trauma processing. And so I started seeing her and taking therapy really seriously going for a lot of walks, like really seriously working on myself. And simultaneously, I went from a contractor to becoming the first employee of Interview Connections, the company that I was working for at the time. And going on this, because I had been totally broken apart and was like starting from rock bottom, I rebuilt myself with personal development and personal growth into someone much stronger and one of the effects of that was that it made me a really great first employee because I was so resilient. I could solve any problem. I could figure anything out. Like anything could happen to me and I'd be like, it's fine. Like, cause worse has already happened. And that I didn't know it, but that positioned me really, really well. And so I ended up at the end of my first year as an employee I knew I wanted to be a business owner. I asked for 50% equity in the company 
and I got it. And then we grew that company from six figures to now multi-seven. That's amazing. And I, I'm listening to all of this. And even though our stories are completely different, I can relate to so much of it as well. And it's interesting because when my dad died, it all is when everything started as well. It's like, I kind of lived my life like really comfortably. And then when, when he died, I moved back to be where I grew up in Delaware. And when we moved, I just assumed like we could fall right back into place because, you know, I'm college educated and I've already had this really high executive position before in sales. And my husband, he's really smart and handsome and he has his master's degree and, you know, we'll be able to find jobs and we can just, you know, be there for the family and it all come back into place. And it didn't like, it was so hard to find a job. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? I really just thought we knew Delaware is so small, you know, somebody you make a phone call and it would happen. We thought it just didn't. But as you said, now I look back, it's totally like it was supposed to be that way. And in the moment while you're sitting in it, you're, you're angry. You feel like a victim in the beginning until you realize how to do that inner work and realize that everything's for you by you. Like everything is perfectly divine. And what happened was, you know, my husband, he kind of was like, all right, I got to take a really big move. And sometimes big risks lead to big rewards, sometimes really big failures. And I'm sure you can speak to some of the failures that you've had as well. And I'd love to hear that. But, you know, we ended up experiencing a bankruptcy. Now, technically it was his, but what's his is mine. And that was the hardest thing ever. And going through now my dad being dead, now I have no money. Now I'm on food stamps. Now I'm literally getting government support so I can like send my kids to daycare so I can find a job. And then not telling anybody about it because I was ashamed and embarrassed and having the secret takes a toll, not only on your marriage, but now I'm sitting here, I'm getting overweight. I'm literally depressed. I'm in a bathrobe for like, I think 11 days straight looking in the mirror, not recognizing the person. And I'm so happy that happened because for me, as you said, once you get to that point, it's like nothing can fucking phase you anymore. It's like, you've had enough. And that's when I decided, I was like, okay, again, I decided now's the time to do something. And for me, sales, like sales is what saved my life. And it helped me to find the woman that I was capable of becoming. And then ever since then, it's just it went up and up and up. And it's funny because we're going to get to this point, but I want to talk a little bit more about the past, but I've noticed in the past, you kind of even said it yourself. I just was focused on getting stuff done. Like I was just wanted to get stuff done. Um, That was me too. My whole thing was get it done, see it through like discipline, it's freedom, like hardcore. It's interesting because as you transition, you know, my brand is called inner feminine beast. That beast definitely served me, but now I'm definitely in this phase of my femininity and embracing the unknown and being supported and allowing myself to be in a different phase. So let's talk about where you were though, um, as you were building this business and my goodness, you're just like me too. I started as like the first employee for somebody. We built a huge company. We have so much in common, but now you're the CEO. You're a young woman. You're the CEO. You're 50% of this company and it's a seven figure company. What was the mindset of that? What was every day like? What, you know, what was the B side that you had to experience to build that? And what kind of failures did you experience too? Is there anyone's particular that really stood out that you, that you helped are glad now that it happened? I would love to hear a little bit more. Oh, so many. I mean, I'm so grateful for interview connections for that time, but I had no business experience, which it turns out you don't actually need. Like, it's just like a personality. Like if you have that personality, you don't need to like know all this stuff. Um, cause you learn it as you know, like as you go. Um, but I mean the learning curve around growing a business, especially in such an innovative industry. So there was no model of like, this is how you build a podcast booking agency because it, it wasn't a thing, right? We were the first podcast booking agency out there. And so figuring out how to scale it and how to grow a team and how to hire people who had the right skills, even though no one had the exact skills because it was such a new job, um, was a lot. And I made so many mistakes in the beginning as a young leader, like managing people and leading people and being young and not really knowing how to do it. 
I made some like really bad hires, <laughs> like really bad. Yeah. There was, and, and we just didn't like looking back now, I can see things that we did in decisions we made. And it's like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? But we were truly just doing the best that we could. And if we hadn't had done that, we would never have gotten here where we actually know what yeah. we're doing. But I remember there was multiple days like this, but this one day stands out in my mind. And it was just like one thing after another with the team. And I didn't know what I was doing. And we were hiring people and we, at the, in the beginning, we really couldn't pay very much. So the people that we were hiring were like, not great. It was like people who would take a job that was like really low pay and no benefits. They weren't like at the top of their game. And I'm trying to like manage them and I'm trying to keep the clients happy. And I just remember going into Jess's office and she had like this little round white table and just like sitting down and like putting my head down on the table and just like crying and then like finishing crying and just like wiping off my face, and like going back out there, <laughs> like, all right, let's do it. And it was a lot of that. It was a lot of really high highs and really low lows. And I think if you're an entrepreneur, you have to sort of enjoy that roller coaster and find that fun. I think of it as like energetic interval training. Like it's not just like the steady pace. It's just yeah. like really, really high and really, and like, you have to know how to ride both waves. And like, even today, I learned so much going through that. And even today, like, I really like externalizing. Like I really like, as Abraham Hicks would say, like having my hands in the clay and doing the strategy, but I can feel the second I'm too external and like suddenly problems are happening or like, you know, and I'm like, Oh, and then I just go back within focus. Like, don't even think about it. Just focus on the inner state. And so I think that balance, and I think you strike this balance really well too, of like doing and really loving the doing and having it be a vehicle for transformation, but also knowing when you have to switch back into being and, and that nuance is, I think beautiful. And I think it's something that the longer that you do this, the more you get wisdom about what situation needs, which side of you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. It's, it's not like a, a balance. It's for me, it's like a harmony because it's not like 50, 50. It's like you, like right. you said, you go in and out and you know how, like the number one skill I think of an entrepreneur is just learning how to stay in motion, like yeah. pivoting, just constantly moving and always like being okay with where you're at right now. Um, the past, you can't change the future. You don't know. You literally don't know. And that was like one of the hardest things for me was because, you know, I always was there running a business with somebody else with them, with their money on their mind, with them being the decision maker. And so it's based on theory. And when you have in yourself, it's just constant decision making. That's what it is every day. And it can be exhausting. Um, the the strategizing, the planning, the the future. Like I, I've always done that. You know, as a corporate woman, I was the uh, executive sales managers. So I was forecasting, budgeting, breaking down all the programs, giving the sales team the right tools. Like it's just constantly in your head. And I realize, you know, when you really are doing this as an entrepreneur, it's not what you do that matters. It's who you are when you do it. So that's the being aspect and understanding this is all unfolding for you. Because like you said, every mistake that we've made, I mean, there's definitely been tears. I probably wouldn't be exaggerating if I said sweat and blood as well, like into this, into being an entrepreneur. Um, but you see now how it made you better to be where you're at. Like, I, I know I, I, I say, God, I think you prefer source. It's, it's a label. Um, but the thing is like, I really think that God won't give you anything you can't handle. Like God's not trying to screw you over. And it's like, pass this test with grace, because if it's just going to get bigger, it's just going to get heavier. So you need to learn how to embrace it here and now. And so, yeah, every single step along the way unfolds perfectly for the lessons. And the thing is, if you don't pass the lesson, it just loops and loops and loops until you pass it with grace. So you get to a certain level where you just kind of finally like say like, you know what, I put my hands up and like, I just need to allow myself to be supported. So that's like a big part of where I'm at. And I, I would love to, I know you're kind of just in this brainstorm session of your season of your life right now. So when I was fired from my corporate position, I had to create this company and 
what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I knew right away, I hired my first mentor uh, as being an entrepreneur and it was not a business coach or a sales coach. I knew how to do that. It was somebody to help me to really bring God into my business so that I wouldn't approach my business as a saleswoman. It, I wouldn't make it about numbers. I wouldn't make it about, you know, constantly going up or leaderboards and things like that. It was about just serving and doing my God-given purpose and being able to enjoy and be satisfied. I hated that word, but be satisfied with where I'm at right now. And that was like one of the smartest moves I could do. Um, but it's definitely was about momentum. It was going fast every day, just being intentional, do, 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 do. And now I've gone to the point where it's, I felt like in the beginning I had to convince a lot of people, but I don't anymore. And I, I finally have really convinced myself of that. And now it's truly about conveying my message and and paying attention to what wants to come to and through me and just allowing that to unfold. It used to be come a strategy and then ask God for help as I did it. Now it's like, just let source lead you forward and the strategy falls into place. And it's a very different way of doing things. And I was curious if you could speak to that because I know right now you're like, yeah, I built a seven-figure company. I am in my early thirties. Like what's next? I know I love this, but at the same time, like I feel something more. And the more I notice with you, you're like, it's not like it has to be like this. It's like, no, this feels good. This feels good. And I, I really watch you doing that. And it's funny because you're a mirror of me. Like we're in each other's lives for a reason because I, I see that reflection of myself. So would you like to speak to that and kind of like the, the transition phase you're going into and kind of like the different seasons of going in and out of that doing mode versus that receptive mode? Yeah, it's it's definitely easier not the first time around because I feel like when I was, younger when I was in my twenties, I was so like, I felt, I always felt behind, even though I was like, now I'm like, you were in your twenties, like calm down. <laughs> but yeah. like, I, I always felt behind and like, I need to figure out like, what am I meant to be doing? How am I going to make money and like have purpose and have all these things. And now it is, there's definitely like intellectual discomfort at starting to feel like, oh, I really like this and like this, but it's not fully formed. Um, and being able to trust that and have faith in that and just enjoy the journey, because I realized that if I could go back to myself 10 years ago and tell myself one thing, it would be like to enjoy the journey. Like that's my regret is that I was so worried about how it was going to work out that I didn't just enjoy being 24, you know, like, yeah. and so now it's really important to me to enjoy not just the future. And I'm very visionary. I'm very future focused. Like I get a lot of energy from the future and I do think about it all the time, but also enjoy the present and trust and faith that it is unfolding and that you can take pieces of things like, oh, I like this aspect of this. And I like this aspect of this model that feels really good to me and working this way or this time of day feels really good for me. And just trusting that all of that's going to come together. Yeah, I know. I totally agree with you. And I laugh because I just had this conversation yesterday. Um, technically, like I'm in my third year of business, right? And I'm like, I'm like a fucking third grader. Like, okay, wait, wait. If I went to kindergarten, I'd be in second grade right now. Like Cynthia, show yourself some grace, mama. Like chill, you know? And it's funny because in my, you know, I just feel what this is, what this is. I know I'm not a woman who's dabbling or trying. Like I know this is my life purpose. So I can, I can feel all of it and I can see all of it, but sometimes we still get impatient with it. But what helps me, as you said, is like, I love this business and I'm not going to go anywhere. So it's, you have to learn how to enjoy the process. You're totally right. Enjoy the journey. The thing that's really helped me to do that is definitely the boundaries. Like you said, selecting what times feel right for you, knowing who you're available to serve and work with, who you're available to hire when you're available um, and being able to like control my own schedule. And, and because those boundaries help me to really be intentional about my priorities and so, you know, if I fill a whole calendar of a million interviews, it's like, yeah, of course you're going to get lead generation, get in front of people. But it's like, does it take away from the people who's already paying me that I'm committed to like my clients? Like, you know, you have to understand what your priorities are. My clients are my priority or the whole reason I have a business is so I can be the woman who's present with my family. Like, am I even being present with my family? Being a saleswoman <laughs> back in the day, um, 2 a.m. I would be taking a phone call. 
I've missed my kids' birthdays. Like it's bullshit. And like now that I can set my own terms as a CEO of my own business and of my own life, it's not happening. So it's really understanding like, okay, like my business is the, the tool is to the means of how I'm going to get what I want. So I focus on what it is that I have now that I always wanted. Um, and really, I think too, is just bringing awareness. I think that's been like the biggest thing for me is every time something happens, because I've been through so many ups and downs now, like such downs, such highs that I know they all serve me. And I know no matter what, I'll be fine. Cause I've been through all of it already. Like nothing doesn't like things don't phase me. Like they used to like things that used to get me so angry or things that make me react to like really big. I just now go, huh, what's happening here. Interesting. What am I feeling right now? And I just bring awareness to the feeling without judging it or labeling it. Or I, like, I have a thought and I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. I'm thinking this, this feels familiar. I'll be okay. You know, like, it's just like, what's going to happen. You know what? Last time. And I spent all this time and energy draining myself to figure out what happened. I, I put so much into the strategy and it worked out, but not through the way I planned it. So why am I going to spend time planning it this time? Right. <laughs> you just start feeling yeah. like comfortable with the unknown. So yeah, those are the things that really helped me is like showing myself grace having like really strong boundaries, understanding to always focus on my priorities and be intentional towards that. And then just like, as things are happening, like don't react. That's when you lose your power. Like you just sit back as if though it's a movie of your life happening and just be aware of what it is. And here's the thing. We don't understand this. And this pisses us off as human beings, let alone as, you know, self-led entrepreneurs. We're never going to know how we just don't know how it, you don't know how at my first time I had a $50,000 cash day. I had no idea where that came from. It was like, what? Like, how did this happen? I still don't know. And I'm never going to. So you start realizing like, ah, you know what? I just need to go with this. And so that's been like a big thing for me with what I shared there. Was there anything that kind of really stood out to you that you agree with or that you do differently? I agree with all of it. And I, I think there can be this really intense need to understand and I think like, and I'll say this for myself, I think that's a lack mentality. Like, cause it's like, if I don't understand it, I can't duplicate it. And then, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it is true that like, it's, there are certain things that happen that like, even if I tried, I couldn't reverse engineer them. Yeah. Like, why would a, why would an employee of one year get 50% of a company? <laughs> like, I don't know. It just, it did make yeah. sense at the time, but like, it, it doesn't really make sense at the same time. If you look at it. So I, I just love that because I think it takes a lot of bravery because it really is a release of control, which is always going to be threatening to the survival brain that like, I don't have to figure this out. I don't have to make this happen. And then I really liked what you're saying about essentially mindfulness, because that is, I feel like one of my big strengths too, is being able to see like oh, I'm having these thoughts about this or like, oh, that's interesting. Though this thing happens that I feel like you'll relate to. And I've, I've been talking about this a little bit recently of like, suddenly I can tell where my energy's at because if I'm not in a good place and not like a really bad place, but like if my vibe's slightly off, suddenly I'll start getting slacks from my team about all of these problems. And instead of going into problem solving mode now, I'm just like, I bet these are going to disappear and I don't pay attention to them. And it's wild. Literally the next day they're like, oh no, it was fine. It was like, oh my gosh, there's this problem with this person on the team and all this. Oh no, misunderstanding. Like every time. And so it's like, not only do I not need to solve these, like these things just dissolve, like they don't exist. There's a couple things that it's like, okay, this is a good use of my attention. But for the most part, like all of these little issues and stuff, they always just seem to melt away if you don't give them a lot of attention. And it's just, I, now I play that game. Like when it's one of those days where I'm getting all these slacks, I'm like, okay. And then I just wait till the next day. And every single time it's like, oh, they all solved themselves. I didn't have to do anything. Yes. That, or it just doesn't phase you. It's like, it brings you peace. It's like, it's so strange. I can agree. And I know this sounds like really woo woo and hardcore, but it really is. It's metaphysics. Like <laughs> it's truth. It's you're shifting into like a parallel reality. And, and, and basically just by deciding everything matches you. So if you are in that lower, the problems come out and then it's not that you have to do anything. Remember reacting is when you lose your power. It's 
having that outside of you, because as within, so without everything outside of you is a reflection of where you're at. You bring awareness as you were saying, mindfulness to it and just be like, oh, why is this happening? And then shift the inside and watch it disappear. And that's the hard part because we are always been taught in like a patriarchal way of doing business. That's like, no, come up with something. You gotta, you gotta put your hands on, you gotta attack, you gotta have a plan. And, and really that's only going to drain you and drag it out and keep that level low. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, it's actually, it's funny because we're taught to control everything and controlling really comes out of fear. It's like the reason why we want to control is because we're afraid that if we don't do it, something else is going to happen. And actually it's so much more courageous. And I love that you use that word because it's not about being fearless. Okay. When you're fearless, you're screwed. Like that's dangerous. Like yeah. that means like you're really comfortable and nothing's happening in your life. When you're, I'm asking you to be courageous. And when you're courageous, it's actually more courageous to be like, I'm just going to give up. I'm going to leap. I'm just going to go to the unknown. And I know I'll be trusted. I'm going to be supported. And that's what it takes to get to the next level of entrepreneurship. When you're talking seven figures, multiple seven, talking eight, it's no more about controlling it because you don't know how. It's about leaning back and just saying, I'm showing up intentionally, being aware of who I am, not just what I do, but who I am when I do it. And then allowing it to unfold, knowing that's how that works, but it takes you a long time to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of mentors and a lot of money. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think too, like what you're saying is so important about not reacting to these little things because mm -hmm. everybody listening to this podcast is the type of woman who, what she focuses on will grow yeah. and that can be really good. But if you start focusing on little problems, you are going to create some gigantic problems that if you had just turned your attention away to what you wanted, they would have disappeared. And so there's knowing that you're that type of powerhouse energetic person where what you focus on is going to blow up. Don't focus on these little problems or, or, you know, what's going to happen. I have something for you. So, um, it's funny. I always say, you know, same message, different messenger. I always say wherever the focus goes is where the momentum goes. And I had um, helped a client to make a lot of money, right? Um, she went from like $200,000 months to half a million dollar months. And so she wanted to celebrate and she took me on a vacation. I was like, hell yeah, I'll go. And we went out to Sedona, which was really cool. And she'd never been to a crystal shop before. And I was like, what? Let me take you. And so we put together her first little crystal kit, which was just something fun and girly, just a frolic and do. But when I was there, I found this baby, right? It's a mm -hmm. magic wand. <laughs> and I literally, I don't use it, but I just love it because it, it reminds me to play with imagination, like to play curiosity. When I was a little girl, I used to walk around sticks all the time and point it at things. But it makes me think about how magical we are and how it really works is when you think of fairy godmother and she had her magic wand, and she went to go change the pumpkin into a carriage. She pointed the wand at the pumpkin. So the pumpkin is what magically changed. She didn't point at the pumpkin. Then all of a sudden the mice turned into the horseman. It's like wherever you point the wand is where the magic goes. It's where it flows. And so you have to understand your thoughts are the magic wand. So whatever you point it towards, you're going to amplify. And at the end, I know everybody is listening, not seeing me, but this magic wand that I have, it's pretty cool. It's just like a quartz crystal on the end of a beautiful uh, stick, really. But the quartz crystal is known for like amplifying. So whatever you point it to, it amplifies. So where are you putting your thoughts? Are you feeding it to doubt? Or are you feeding it to your inner feminine beast? Like whatever you say is so. So be like really intentional about where your thoughts are. And it's not about controlling your thoughts. That's what I used to really think. I used to think control your thoughts so your thoughts don't control you. I realized like now that I'm getting at this phase of my life, it's not really about control. You just be aware that they're there. That's all you have to do. It's not even as yeah. hard as controlling and blocking. It's more so like, oh, that thought is there. That doubt is there. Interesting. No. Mm -hmm. And not feeding it. Like yeah. controlling is also like really a limitation of the mind. It's like, it's again, it's not allowing things to unfold. So it, it doesn't, it creates resistance. It's more so just like, oh, that's interesting. I'm aware now that's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Really interesting, huh? Absolutely. And I love that like, so I'm very passionate about agility and about agile ways of working and transitioned interview connections to be a fully agile company using Scrum, which is a lot more common in tech companies, but I wanted to bring it to the agency. And one of the cool things about agility and about high level management and leadership 
is it's really stepping away from managing people or managing tasks and moving to entirely managing an ecosystem. So you are creating the ecosystem in which the powerful work happens. You're not controlling the tasks. And I think that's such a relevant metaphor for everything that we're talking about too, because you're not dealing with every little how or every little problem. You are creating an ecosystem in your business, in your energy. You've got an energetic ecosystem in your Mm -hmm. mind. You've got a mental ecosystem. You don't need to control every little detail. It doesn't matter. And you couldn't anyway, once you have the ecosystem, everything just unfolds within it. Well, you know, what's interesting when I think of ecosystem, I I think of like a natural one where I'm thinking of plants, like plants don't try to grow. Plants just grow. Like they, they don't think about it. They don't try it. They don't control it. They just know what to do. When I think of ecosystems, I think of rivers. Rivers are always just flowing. When a, when a pond sits by itself, a pond, it, it gets that like filmy layer up top. It's the same thing with you. If you are just sitting like you're not allowing things to come to and through you. So every day I look at myself just like that as an ecosystem. I haven't labeled it that way, but I literally check in and bring awareness. What, where is everything at? How does it feel? Am I controlling it or am I allowing it to do what it naturally knows how to do? And at the same time, am I allowing things to say, you know, what's the word uh, suppressed or am I allowing things to just uh, come through and flow and without labeling and judging it? Cause when you label and judging it, it's like putting dams up and it's like, you know, building walls and knocking down forests. Like, no, just allow it to be the natural state that it is. And that's so funny because I never labeled it like that, but that's 100% absolutely what I do. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to talk about this because they're talking a lot about courage and bravery and it's not necessarily being fearless, but I think you agree with me. And I think you even said this word today because I highlighted it. It's truly, I think one of the biggest superpowers is vulnerability. And again, it's about embracing the unknown, but also what I love about you. And we've talked about this is that I'm totally willing to just be myself. Who you are with me is who you are with your clients. I can tell it's who you are with your family. It's it's just being authentically you and not paying attention what she's doing. Cause I'm sure you've done that. I've done that where it's like, Oh, now it's the time since I'm a really, you know, bigger girl, I'm sitting at the table time to hire the people to help me with this and that and that, and all of it doesn't work out. Right. It's cause that's what you think you're supposed to do. Cause everybody else is doing it. Things like that. But you've always decided, no, I, I see that works, but that doesn't feel right for me. At the same time, I, I have to bring up the podcast um, and the, the, the topic, the, the name of the podcast, right? We get it your dad died, right? It's, it's very bold. There's a lot of polarity to that. It's very like, whoa, I either love it or I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Um, and that comes with authenticity and like being able to put yourself out like that. So I would love to go and just, since you are an expert at podcasting and again, congratulations on having first prize for the best co- uh, podcast category in Rhode Island. Um, I'd love to know, how did you even get started? So you're like, yeah, I was, I was first employee. I did the podcasting thing. And then why podcasting? And then what inspired you to do the podcast that you have now? So I got into podcasting by accident. I didn't listen to podcasts. I, um, I had listened to serial. That's it. That, that true crime podcast. That's Mm -hmm. like the only podcast I knew. I didn't know there were like business and marketing podcasts. I didn't listen to podcasts and it was just coincidence. My now business partner, we had worked together briefly as door-to-door canvassers and then we're just connected on Facebook um, because we had worked together. And then when my dad died, I posted about needing people to come take pets um, and like foster them for me until I could get home from Taiwan because my mom was understandably very overwhelmed and my two cats were there. My dad had a cat. My mom had a cat. My grandmother went into a home. So her cat was there. So we've got five cats in the mix here and a dog. And so I needed help and I was in Taiwan, so I couldn't do anything. And Jess, my now business partner was one of the people who commented on Facebook and was like, I can take a cat. And it was like, we hadn't been that close. Like I didn't know her that well. So I was like, wow, that's so nice. Like what a, what a good person. And so she ended up taking my dad's cat kitten who she still has kitten is 18 right now. And so that is how we got reconnected. And then I was living in Colorado. Things are not going well. My grief is manifesting in a number of very dysfunctional ways that I do not have the tools to cope Mm -hmm. with. And I 
one of the things that was happening is like, I had this shitty job selling jewelry. It was like $11 an hour plus commission, but they like made it impossible for you to get commission. And it was the worst. And I was like, I got to get out of here. But sales and fundraising was like all I had done. So it was what I knew how to do. And I wanted a remote job. I like heard about remote work and I was like, I can't believe this is real. Like, I can't believe you can work from home from your computer and like make actual money. <laughs> and, and then I saw on Facebook, I was, I was at the mechanic because my car, my 1994 Volvo was, had broken down again. And so I'm sitting in the mechanic on my phone and I see that Jess posted, and this is the day after I heard about remote work and even learned it existed, just as a post that she's looking for contractors to be remote booking agents. And I'm like, perfect. And me and Jess used to work together. So I'm like, so she knows I'm like, good. And so I reached out to her and I like sent her a very formal cover letter, which I like then found out that like hiring contractors, like was not, that was not normal. Um, <laughs> but I was like very buttoned up and very professional. And so I got the job and it was like a part-time $15 an hour contractor position. I had to like get my own health insurance. I was paying self-employment tax, which was insane. And it was like, it, I was like, I did not know how I was going to live off of it, but I was like, I, I want to work from home. <laughs> that was my only motivation. Then I started researching my clients. So I started listening to podcasts because I was listening to their interviews and it was very life-changing for me because I realized that I was an entrepreneur. And I think there's like that moment where you're like, you spend a long time being like, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I just like pick a job and like stay with it. Like all my friends are like moving up in their careers. And I'm like, nah, I don't like this. I'm bored. I'm bored. And then I started listening to their podcast and I was like, oh, okay. And I learned so much from them. And so that was the beginning of really seeing what podcasts had to offer in terms of like education and really changing people's lives because it totally changed the trajectory of my life and what I thought was possible because I now was like, oh, I can be a business owner. And then I started co-hosting the company podcast for interview connections. So I started getting experience hosting a show and I started getting booked as a guest by our team and like getting a lot of practice. I've been on like hundreds of shows as a guest at this point. And so I started creating my own content and I was really trying to stay focused on podcast guesting and marketing, but I'm not good at that. Like I, I like to go down a rabbit hole. And what I was interested in was grief and entrepreneurship and my story and like how, what happened to me and my grief seemed to correlate with success as an entrepreneur and wanting to understand that better. So I went down this like very long rabbit hole and ended up wanting to have this podcast because people were so interested in this conversation. Hosts that interviewed me about it were so interested in grief. And so many of them had similar experiences. And I started having other high-performing entrepreneurs saying, I've never told anybody this, but my mom died or my dad died. And it was like this big transformation. Like it made me who I am now. I wouldn't have this business. And I was like, it's crazy that there are so many of these people. And so that's why I started the podcast to have those conversations because I felt like they were really powerful and really important. And I didn't hear anyone else having them. Yeah. The last words that my dad said to me was that I was going to change the life of thousands of people and he knew it. And at the time I was working at a winery. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. What are you talking about? But it, every time that you feel like you want to quit or like, you know, you just feel, am I supposed to? And I don't feel like I'm ever going to quit, but I mean, there was times like that it was going to be really hard. You're just like, why am I doing this? Um, I just kind of remember those words. And like, it's like, he knew like something that I did it in that, that phase. And I just, I, I hold on to that. It's funny. Um, you said a lot of things here, but yeah. So after, after the bankruptcy, um, I, I did find a job and it was very temporary and it was, I loved it. I really did. It was cool because, um, back when I was a corporate executive, I was, the, the manager for Jim Beam Brands. And that is the second largest portfolio in the world. And I was one of four women in the world with my position. I was definitely the youngest. And so I it was cool because they did a lot for our training. So I don't know if everybody knows this, um, but I'm uh, certified through the Court of Masters as an interest on Lier. 
Um, I was a bourbon master. I literally sat with the great, great, great grandson of Jim Beam and cracked open barrels with him at 9am in the morning and had dinner at his house, right? So like, I understand a lot of the art form and the history and especially American history of spirits and wine. And so I remember I went to a winery and I had to drive like an hour to get to this winery. And I was like, can you please just hire me? Like, I just need to do something. And they're like, sure. So I just literally was the, the girl that poured wine when you came in and checked it out. And then they saw what I could do. And they asked me to do like marketing a little bit for them and stuff too. But I remember it was $11 an hour. It was $11 an hour. And I was 29 years old with two children. And it's like, that's crazy. It's, it's funny because you said $11 and, you know, it just made me, I remember thinking that. And it's interesting because time and time keeps passing, but it still feels like yesterday, but it also feels like 10 decades ago. But yeah, like, so five years ago, like I was making $11 an hour, <laughs> like, you know, it's nuts. Um, and then what's interesting about the podcasting is, you know, I met my uh, employer and she was actually my coach. I decided, you know, once I actually found a job, I got into sales and I was really serious about it. I went to the very top. And when you're really good at sales, you build a pipeline. So you don't really work that much. And I was working like two hours a day and had all this time freedom, knowing that there was still so much more. So I was like, oh, I'll do this thing and I'll start my own business because that'll be easy. <laughs> yeah. So I hired a coach. Um, my coach, I, I won a VIP day with her because she had a competition and I was like, I'm showing up. And right then and there, when I was sitting there with her, it all, I understood because I've gone through enough of things going wrong to see why they actually add up to being right. And I could see it unfold when I was sitting there with her and I, I presented to her all buttoned up, just like you said, my, my binder. I was like, here's orange tab, section two, bullet three, my, my 12 year plan, like 12 year plan. What about your 12 month? I'm like, no, here it is. Like, she was like, what, who are you? What do you do? And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, like I'm supposed to work for her. And I remember, um, you know, I'm the top performer in sales right now, but she was like, nope, like, that's crazy. You're a client. I'm not going to hire you. Like that's not happening. And I was like, I'll do it for nothing. Like, I will literally do it for nothing. I just want to learn from you. And I want to um, really, I could tell being an intuitive woman, like I knew she was going to be huge. And two things that I really, I mean, I took away so much from that experience, the good, the bad and everything between it was all for me by me. And I loved every part of it. But I remember on day one, she told me, Cynthia, I give you full permission to fuck up. And I remember when she said that I kind of like really had her on a pedestal. And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, she's everything I want to be. When she told me that, like, it just gave me so much freedom. And she's like, if you mean, obviously, like, I want you to take chances. And if they don't work out, we'll, we'll, you know, review them. Don't do them again. But like, I want you to go big. I want you to have creativity and I want you to do your best. And like, and I remember like that changed everything for me. And I was like, I am like, and she even says like, if you're not fucking up, I'm concerned. You know, and I like, I love that. And every time I've ever hired anybody in my company, that's like the first day talk that I have with them. <laughs> and that really sat with that. me. But the other thing was podcasting. So I remember, you know, I was her first salesperson and we created an eight-figure company in one year, right? After being together. So it was huge. A lot of it's to do with sales, but I watched the other part. And I remember asking her, and this is nothing that's too personal because otherwise I wouldn't share it. But I remember asking her, being her like apprentice, what was the biggest regret that you have in your business? And she said, not starting my podcast from day one, because of how I've been able to really kind of be able to create influence impact and at the same time monetize it. So the day I got fired, the very first thing I did before I even came up with the company or anything was take this mic that I had sitting as a Christmas gift from like three years ago, I opened it up and I just started recording. And that's what I did on day one. And we haven't missed an episode yet. And today as we're recording, this is top 2.5% show. Like, and it's, it's through consistency. But yeah, the cross promotion, the connections to it, um, it's been a big part. So it's interesting because podcasting has been a big part of my story too. And I mean, look, we're here together right now because of it. <laughs> so um, yeah, but I, you know, I wanted to talk about real quick, what I'm sure there's not always positive reaction to your show. As you said, a lot of people are like, oh, wow, you know, this really helps me. I've never shared this. People always ask me about marketing and sales and business strategies, but like there is a side of me that I would love to share and how it actually does correlate with business. But at the same time, you know, I'm sure people have opinions about the, the, the topic, about the title and about how your father passed away. And I think you handle it with such grace, but I'm curious, what has that been like and what has awareness has it brought for you um, as an entrepreneur? 
Honestly, there's been no backlash at all. Oh, really? <laughs> Which Good. just tells me that I wasn't an energetic match for it. But yeah, I thought there might be. I mean, the title was very me. Like I made it, it was kind of a joke. And so like having a joke title with such a serious topic is like mm -hmm. a very me thing. And it felt very natural and yeah. authentic, but I was like one of the coaches I was working with at the time was like, please don't call it that. And I was like, it's too late. I'm going to, and she was like, okay. Um, but then people weirdly liked it. Like more people, there are some people who were like, uh, one person, I think one person was like, I don't get the title. And I was like, that's okay. Yeah. It, there's not really anything to get. And, but for the most part, I've been surprised how many people have been into it. I've been impressed. I'm like, wow, my audience is, they're bigger weirdos than I even realized. And it makes me love them so much more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been so positive. I thought people would hate this. I thought they would never want to talk about this stuff and listen to this stuff. Cause it is really dark. Like we really get into it and I couldn't believe people love it. So it's, it's been really amazing. It's because again, that polarizing, it's like when you have a fluffy title, no one finds it or cares about it or doesn't click on it. It's like when you are saying what people are thinking, that's when you really get that attention. And again, it was so natural for you to come up with that name because it's who you are. So it's, it's that authenticity along with that polarizing that helps people to really gravitate towards you. And I think there's a lot to learn. And again, you haven't got a backlash because like, your people love it. And the people who aren't your people, they're not responding. And that's a gift. That's yeah. like the beauty of it. Like it's, you know, I think about that in sales. Like people are like, oh, I keep getting no's. I'm like, no's are a beautiful thing. It's a gift. Don't spend your time and energy with that person, you know? Um, and I love that because, you know, I, I've worked with a marketing company before and they were like, Cynthia, like you post way too much. Like they're like, you don't want to piss people off. They're going to unfollow you. And you have to like know the algorithm. And I was just like, people unfollow me. I was like, that's a good thing. Like, then they're not my people. My people want to hear from me. And I got something to fucking say, like, I want to say it. And they're like, ah. and I was like, nope, I can't do this marketing thing. I just need to do my thing. But, uh, and you know, I don't, it's funny. I, to this day, as we're recording this, I have like a thousand followers on Instagram. My business is doing really well. I have amazing connections with my clients and my clients are getting results. It's not for everybody. You just need to know your people, not please everyone. And that's where the, the gold is. So this has been such a fun conversation. Um, I am again, I just applaud you for taking a stance and, and talking about these great conversations and being vulnerable and open today um, about sharing your story for people who would like to learn more about you personally, but also um, about interview connections. We're going to put the links below, but where would be the best place for people to follow you, connect with you, to learn to work with you, Margie? Yeah. So interviewconnections.com is a great place to learn about my company. And if you want to get booked on podcasts, and then I also have a personal website, margie.com, M-A-R-G-Y, where I have my podcast and my blog and all that content. Wonderful. Yep. Like we said, we'll put those links below for everybody. Thank you so much for being here today. Again, I love our friendship and I'm really happy we got to have this conversation for our listeners. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Of course. And to our listeners, till next time, acknowledge it, embrace it, see it through. Thank you for listening to the Inner Feminine Beast podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. I check my reviews every week and each one truly does mean so much. So thank you. And also, if you want to keep the conversation going, be sure to visit my website, innerfemininebeast.com to join our communities and so you can also connect with women who are on the same journey. I can't wait to see you on the inside.